I am your host, Canary T. Robot. Uh, welcome to The Artistry Introduces. In this case, we have a writer. Patrick, would you like to introduce yourself? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Patrick, uh, Patrick Murphy. Um, I am a writer, uh, an artist, um, a paleo enthusiast, <laughs> um, a jackass. <laughs> and uh, part-time um, cheese mason. All right. <laughs> okay, you got me on the cheese mason part. <laughs> like that just okay. like stopped me in my tracks. Like, wait. <laughs> uh, Here's the thing: two of those are actually wrong. See if you can tell which ones. You're not a writer. That's right. <laughs> I, I actually can't even read. Oh, no. Well, if Dead Palette can write and is illiterate, anything's possible. <laughs> yep, it's uh, true. I, okay, uh, in, all, in, in all reality, um, he actually just published his first book. Uh, do you want to talk about that? I could do that, sure. Um, so I, as, as Canary just said, I just published my first ever book, it is called Dinosaurs A through Z, Dinosaur Classics, uh, the first in a planned series. Um, geared for kids kind of ages, like kind of like maybe 7 through 12 is like the most generous age window. Um, as you could probably tell from the title, uh, it's about dinosaurs. So it covers a lot of sort of the basics of dinosaur biology. You know, what is a dinosaur? How do we know about dinosaurs? Uh, the world of the Mesozoic era, that sort of stuff. Before uh, we go through and look at 26 dinosaurs, each one uh, with a name that starts with a letter of the alphabet. Now, as the subtitle says, it's Dinosaur Classic. So this is most of the more well-known dinosaurs. So it's got, um, it's got Allosaurus, Brachiosaurus, um, Stegosaurus, uh, Triceratops and T-Rex actually have to share T. I couldn't, I couldn't choose between them. Um, it also helps that they actually live at the same time in the same place, and there's a lot of good evidence for them interacting. Now, not every letter has a famous dinosaur attached to it, so sometimes I had to like default to things like, you know, Zizianicus or you know, Fruitidens or things like that. Um, so yeah, I started this a couple years ago. Um, I, it was put on hold for a while. I started back up about eight months ago and just published it uh, earlier this month through a service called CreateSpace, which is a self-publishing service uh, connected with Amazon. Uh, uh, it's called CreateSpace? Yes. Um, How did you find this? Uh, well, when I decided that I wanted I was going to self-publish this book because there actually been, there's actually been a lot of uh, success with self-published not only self-published books in general but actually there are a lot of great recent uh, paleo books that have been self-published things like 
all yesterdays and um, recreating an age of reptiles, things like that. So I had the idea that I wanted to self-publish, so I looked into it. Uh, my parents really helped me with that as well. And uh, we found this service called CreateSpace, you know, run by Amazon. And it's it's really – it was really helpful. Um, they basically say, you know, here's the format it has to be in. Um, here's options for, you know, the, the different types of paper, whether color or black and white. Um, and then they even can help you set up with um, distributors, like um, major book uh, bookstores, retailers, things like that. In fact, um, I work – at a dinosaur museum, a dinosaur state park in Rocky Hill, Connecticut. And I, I talked with the owner of the gift shop and they're going to order um, some copies to sell in the shop actually. So that'll well, be that, fun. That's fantastic. And I mean, it's good for them too. So um, mm -hmm. now um, what made you decide to write this book? Um, I mean, I, I've seen a bunch of dinosaur uh, books for kids. Why, why this specific one? There's a couple different reasons. Um, first of all, I love to write. Um, I love to communicate. I love to share um, this incredible passion that I have uh, with people. Um, it's really, there's a really fantastic feeling that comes when there's this thing that you love, um, incredibly so, and you're able to share that with somebody. And even though they may not necessarily have the same interest that you do, by hearing you talk about it, they kind of start to get into it. They learn things. They not only learn things, but they even gain a sort of appreciation they didn't have before. Um, and that's a really fantastic feeling. Uh, I feel I feel that pretty much every day when I'm at work and I um, give talks to um, uh, the public as well as school groups. You know, I talk about things like you know dinosaurs having feathers, which a lot of people still don't know that. Um, so when, when I talk about that, you know, just a lot of people sometimes, you know, get really into that because you know, it's something they didn't know. And it's really strange and unusual and unexpected for a lot of people. So that was one one reason. Um, I knew I kind of wanted to write a kid's book because I don't think my my art style, because I illustrated the book as well. I don't think my art style is quite on the level of um, sort of professional paleo art that's produced more for uh, more mature audiences. Um, but I think. Yeah, from what I've uh, heard for that the, that type of art, you actually have to go to school for that. And um... Well, you, you don't have to necessarily, but um, certainly the best paleo art is rigorously studied, rigor rigorously researched. Um, it has a, a lot of expertise behind it. Most working paleo artists do have some type of science background. Not all. Um but most of most of them do have some type of um, at least a biology background, if not specifically paleontology. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'm there yet. So a kid's book is fine um, for that. I also think you know I hate. I, I mean, the whole point of this is is um, self promotion, but I don't want to toot my own horn too much on this. But I do think I I have like a knack for explaining certain ideas and facts to people in ways that are easier to understand. Um, one thing that really frustrates me is uh, bad communication mm -hmm. when, when someone is like trying to teach, but I can just, I'm just sitting there going, 
no, no, that's no one's going to get that. So hopefully, I'm really hoping that I've you know broken things down in ways that will be easy for uh, kids to understand. I actually did have a chance to read it, and um, it, it's definitely easy to read and easy to understand, which is really good. But it never one of the things that I do appreciate to do. It never talks down to a kid, mm. which. Um, I, I actually am glad to see, because even when I was younger as a kid, the books that I loved to read were the ones that did, I didn't feel like they were talking down to me or made me feel like I was younger than I really was. Um, so it, it, was not, it was refreshing to see that again. Yeah, I definitely have that same um, frustration with, with certain kids' media, uh, whether it's books or kids' shows or whatever, you know. Kids are... Kids aren't morons. They just don't know as much as we do. Um, so, yeah, that was definitely a concern, concern I had going into it. Um, now let's uh, get into you as uh, both a writer and an artist. Uh, when did you first start writing? See, that's... Or what, what got you into writing? Let's start what with got, What got me into writing? Um, it was actually movies that got me into writing. Really? Um, yes, because I love, I mean, I love um, movies. I love, I mean, in particular, creature movies, movies that have uh, animals as sort of their primary focus uh, have always appealed to me, as you could probably imagine. Um, and they made me want to tell stories that had, you know, these fantastic creatures in them. Because that's actually another way that you can communicate um your love and passion for something is through writing and even fiction writing. So that's what I really wanted to do. I wanted to tell these amazing epic stories that could communicate how beautiful these things are. Unfortunately, <laughs> um, these movies are often made on budgets of, you know, a couple hundred million dollars, which I <laughs> did not have as, as a 12 year old and um, shockingly still don't have uh, any day now though, any day. Um, well, I, I say the same thing to myself. <laughs> Yes. Don't worry, one day we'll both be rich as astronauts. Exactly. Um, so, um, I wanted to tell these stories, but of course I don't have the resources to make a big budget movie, but one thing that doesn't really require much in the way of money or resources is, is writing. So, I started, I guess I started seriously considering the possibility of writing at about 8th grade, uh, so like 15, 14 years old. Um, and then from that, I actually got into uh, the Greater Hartford Academy of the Arts, which is an arts high school that uh, works as sort of a half-day program. So for half the day, I'd, I'd go to my public high school, and then for the other half, I would go to this academy, and I majored in creative writing. Yeah. So learned a lot there, as you can probably imagine. Even got a chance to do some film and animation stuff. Uh, that's when I produced my um, little, or not little, but uh, when I produced my uh, flipbook animation um, of a dancing Jurassic Park style Velociraptor, which I have seen and is it was quite amazed, especially as someone in high school doing that too. Jeez. Yes. Yeah, definitely. It was it was very satisfying to uh, show that off at the annual um, showcase. Um, so yeah, that's that's how I got into writing, um, and that's kind of ever been writing ever since then, really. Uh, what what type of things do you like to write? I mean, 
I like writing things that have big, sharp teeth and claws. Um, <laughs> and that's only eighty. That's only like twenty percent a joke. Um, I do really like writing things that have animals and creatures in them. Um, I really am not, you know, my very rare I'll ever write something that just has uh, people in it. That's just not interesting to me. Um, there's just, I mean, again, the reason I write. It's the same reason I draw, which is to communicate my passion, and my passion is for um, creatures, uh, whether they are living animals that we have right now here on our own wonderful planet Earth, whether they are extinct creatures, um, of which we have a 3.7 billion year catalog, whether these are uh, speculative animals that might live on our planet in the future, whether these are creatures from an alien planet, whether these are creatures that are the result of some sort of alternate timeline, like, you know, what if the KPG mass extinction event never happened, non-bird dinosaurs are still alive, that sort of thing, mm-hmm. um, or whether they're just straight-up fictional things or um, fantasy creatures. I love them all. I love them all. And um, some more than others, but all of them do have a special place in my heart. And it's all about communicating that love I have for them. Do you have any writers that influence you? Because uh, I'm trying to think of uh, writers that are that write about creatures. I do have a couple. Um, I do have a couple. Um, <laughs> I actually I would be remiss if I did not mention um, author Steve Alton, who is the the author of the Meg series of novels, which are about late surviving uh, megalodon sharks that rise up from their sort of lost world in the abyss and start terrorizing the surface. Schlocky, uh, B-movie grade writing. <laughs> um, but my God, they were fun, especially as a, a 12-year-old. And I actually have reread the series uh, recently. They actually came out with a fifth book this past year. And, oh, wow. Um, yeah. And it's um, – here's the thing. It's And here's what I realized. They're, like, they're B-movies in novel form. They're actually like pretty good B movies though. Like they are, they are actually. There's a really great entertainment value to them. Like is uh, it is it the equivalent of the brain that wouldn't die or? Uh... Not even that. I would say I don't know if you've ever seen this movie, uh, but there's a movie called The Valley of Guanji, no, which is about it's it's a Ray Harryhausen movie. Not that he directed it, but he was a stop motion animator for it about uh, cowboys that discover um, this valley where dinosaurs live, and they um, take a dinosaur back with them to uh, a circus where they put it on display, and it escapes, and there's a rampage and all that sort of stuff. And it's one of those types of stories where, yeah, I mean, this is B-movie material if ever there was one, but they, they do it in such a way that there's just a lot of heart and love and just a lot of really cool things happening that's kind of impossible not to smile when watching it. So they're, they're those types of stories. Um, uh, trying to think what else, other pieces of writing have inspired me. Um, I, I did read Jurassic Park as well as its sequel. I was going to say, uh, I would assume Michael Crichton might have had some influence. He definitely had some influence, sure, but not maybe not as much as you might think. Um, I actually do not think Michael Crichton is a great writer. Um I think he's got a lot of, or I should say did, because he actually passed away in 2008. Uh, I think he had a lot of really good ideas, um, 
like if you look at his novels, they they are pretty much mostly idea focused, and there are a lot of really great, interesting ideas. Um, but oftentimes, I mean, he couldn't write a likable human being to save his life, <laughs> and too much, too too much of the writing is devoted to um, explaining the science, the research that he did. Um, and eventually you just reach a point where you're like, okay, dude, we get it. You did your homework. Um, Michael Crichton is also the sort of person who very frustratingly can do all the research in the world on the topic and still not really understand it at all. Um, probably the most glaring example of that would be climate change. Um, having said that, I, I did read Jurassic Park and The Lost World, and I, I did enjoy them, um, you know trying to think if there's any other major ones i really really liked um dracula which i read in 10th grade oh wow i did not uh, expect that yeah yeah in particular in particular the first part uh the first part is um great when jonathan harker is kind of trapped in the castle mm-hmm. that is a it's good great because i'm really because i what well, yeah one thing that i'm really that i think i'm good at is like being able to put myself in the mindset of um the particular context. So like trying to read this as if vampires were not this, you know, sort of staple of popular culture that they are now and Dracula not being its own uh, staple and just reading it and just kind of getting into the mystery of it and just like, like what the heck is going on here? Um, And this sort of, you know, slow build and this dread and this tension and this fear. um, That's great. I love that. The one great thing about the beginning of Dracula that always stood out in my brain that doesn't actually appear in, uh, like, Dracula films is the imagery when Jonathan Harker is arriving at the castle. I mean, like, mm, like some, yes. some of the descriptions there are just are usually just glossed over in the movies. And when you read it, you're like, wow, I, I, I'm surprised. I, like, that. what beautiful imagery. Yes, um, definitely. For for me though, I, I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm I prefer Frankenstein over Dracula. Ah, uh, I've read Frankenstein as well, but yeah, I just mm, nah. I mean, it's good. I like it. Don't don't get me wrong. I, I do I do really like it. But um, uh, uh, Dracula guy all the way. I can understand that. Honestly, they're two very different styles. And I can see how one person mm-hmm. can like one over the other, and vice versa. Um, what about yeah. now? Uh, let's get it. Let's talk about um, your art. How? I mean, not only are you um, talented at writing, but you've developed a talent in drawing as well. I certainly hope so. Um, <laughs> I've been drawing. I've been drawing since I was. Um, before I can even remember a lot of who I am actually goes back to like before I have conscious memory, like my mom has to tell me and show me pictures and such. Um, but I started out drawing dinosaurs and, um, I can even, I do actually have vivid memories of recognizing certain points in drawing dinosaurs, like certain, certain like breakthroughs and epiphanies being like, Oh, 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 the, there's, there's depth to the animal where it's, it's, you know, the leg, the other legs are on the other side and shouldn't be coming out the same part as the other two legs or, you know, things like that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, you know, 
I hate using the phrase self-taught because it, it gives an impression like it's, you know, I did all the work, but you know, a, a lot of my skills were developed outside of a formal learning context. Mm-hmm. So like I didn't have a lot of art classes. I've had art classes. Don't, don't get me wrong. Um, but a lot of stuff I've developed uh, outside of classes, a lot of my style and, and technique and things that I've learned, I've learned outside of classes. Hmm. What Now, uh, what do you use to draw? Uh, primarily, it's uh, digital painting in Photoshop. Uh, the mixer brush is my best friend. <laughs> Yeah, Photoshop is a very common one among artists, but I've come. uh, There's some artists I've spoken to. It's amazing when I discover it's like, oh no, I do this and this because they discover it's cheaper or they use a, uh, they use a different. uh, There's something about this format or style of a different one that fits to their style. Um, Are you? Does Photoshop uh, help you with yours? It does. Um, Photoshop is actually what I learned in the few art classes that I took. Mm-hmm. So um, it's it's the sort of thing where um, it's what I know. It's what I'm used to. I know there are other programs out there. There are other programs out there. And, I mean, some of them are even free. And they can produce work just as, as on quality with anything that can be produced in Photoshop. Um, but at this point, it's what I know. I don't want to... It's like kind of like learning a second language, you know. I don't... It's just not worth it for me right now. Completely. And I'm producing work that I, I like and, and generally speaking, proud of. Um, so uh, I'm good. I'm good right now. Completely understandable. Um, mm-hmm. Do you have any artists influence, uh, like any artists that influence you or art mediums that influence you? Yes. Um, I can definitely say that. Yes. Um, so I got to um, give... Shout-outs to um, uh, two movies in particular, Jurassic Park um, and the 2005 uh, King Kong movie, both of which are two of my favorite movies. And uh, the art, I, 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 would, I would watch the sort of the behind-the-scenes stuff um, on the DVDs. And, of course, my favorite were whenever they were talking about the creatures and, in particular, the design of the creatures. So I always loved looking at concept art. Um and Jurassic Park is a very specific um, style for its dinosaurs. It's in turn influenced by other paleo artists. Um, and King Kong in particular had a lot of unused creature designs that I would drool over um, in supplementary material books and um, things like that. In terms of more recent influence, um, there are certain paleo artists, because that's my main focus is, is paleo art, is the the a subgenre of wildlife art that seeks to reconstruct prehistoric animals, and in terms of um, my favorite paleo artists, uh, there are people like Mark Witten, mm-hmm. uh, Emily Willoughby, and John Conway are probably the three biggest ones. Uh, <laughs> they are all absolutely, um, they are all absolutely uh, fantastic at making it feel like the animals were painted from life. It, now, their work is not necessarily photoreal. Um, in fact, I would I would say their photo their work is very not photoreal. In particular, John Conway's is incredibly stylistic. But 
they feel like they were painted by looking at actual animals. Like these artists just went out into the world, found, you know, dinosaurs and other things and just painted them. And that to me is the goal of the, like the, the highest achievement of a piece of paleo art is to convince you that you are looking at um, an actual prehistoric animal, if only for a fleeting moment. Now, where do you want to go from here with your um, art and writing? And now that you've also published well, the book, um, Yeah, um, well, as I mentioned at the beginning, uh, Dinosaurs A through Z, Dinosaur Classics, is the first in a series. Mm-hmm. And I've got four other books planned for the series. Um, first, we're going to do, yeah, we're going to do Dinosaur Oddities. Uh, which is going to be sort of more obscure dinosaurs, some really, really strange ones that I sort of wish were more well-known and wish were famous. So I'm currently working on the illustrations for that. I've So, so far I've done A through I. I'm currently working on J. Um, after that, it's going to be um, Mesozoic non-dinosaurs, so creatures that shared their world with the dinosaurs but uh, were not dinosaurs themselves, creatures like marine reptiles, pterosaurs, Mesozoic mammals, things like that. After that, we've got uh, A through Z before the dinosaurs, which is going to be all Paleozoic stuff. So um, uh, placoderms, um, a lot of stem mammals, amphibians, things like that. And lastly, A through Z after the dinosaurs, after the non-bird dinosaurs, that is, um, in which will be mostly Cenozoic mammals, um, as well as you know things like uh, terror birds, Argentavis, Titanoboa, uh, Purosaurus, things like that. Cool. Um, actually, we're getting to the point where it's going to need to wrap up. Um, do you want to give any last-minute advice? Last-minute advice. Okay. Um, to any of the listeners. Because, yeah, um, I guess two, two pieces of advice. One I'm going to shamelessly steal from Dead Palette. Um, as I often do, and that's um, it's it's got to be work. Um, you got to actually do what you want to do if you want to be good at it. Um, whatever amount of talent you start off with, whether it's none or you know a lot, is never going to be enough. You really have to work on developing your skills. I mean, that's the thing. Art of any kind, creation of any kind, is a skill. It's not a talent. So you have to work at it. And sometimes you're going to have moments where you're like, I really don't feel like creating, you know, whether it's because, you know, you're, you're suffering from depression or, you know, you're just really tired because your schedule is really busy. Really try to do your best to do it anyway. Um, one, because it will probably make you feel better if this is something, this is something that you love. Uh, but also um, you just, you know, life is going to put obstacles in your way. And, you know, the, the more of those obstacles you can overcome, the better. And then the other piece of advice I have is passion. Um, you do the thing that you love to do. Uh, my friend Darren Nash hosts a blog called Tetrapod Zoology, which is all about tetrapods. Um, and when he was talking about you know his motivation for blogging, it's, he just talked about all the passion he has for this. And it you know just do the thing that you love to do, regardless of like how you think other people are going to react to it. Um, regardless of, you know, you think anyone will be interested in it. You know, if you are passionate about, you know, mold, 
if that's something you really care about, then, you know, go for it. You know, write it, draw it, talk about it. And if you're genuine in your passion and you develop the necessary skills, you will find an audience. You will find people who are willing to listen to you, who will be impressed by you. And, um, yeah, so, you know, never be afraid to pursue the thing that you love. That's nice. Uh, where can we find you? You can find me um, on Twitter at Prasocor, P-R-A-S-O-K-O-U-R, um, which is also um, my username on YouTube. Um, I have a couple things that I have on my YouTube channel. Uh, most of what it is are short horror stories that I write and then um, narrate. So if that is something that interests you, you can um, look at those. Uh, I also am beginning to post some of my um, fan fiction. I was I when I said do what you love. That um, so right now I have some stuff about a, a, a rewrite of the Fantastic Beasts movie, um, which I was really big into as a kid, and um, I have I saw the movie and I was like, yeah, I would probably do things a little bit differently. Um, and the same goes for Jurassic World, which um, I have a current rewrite that's like 120,000 words long, and I'm just still working on it. So once that's done, I'll probably be putting stuff on that as well. Um, yeah, so I think that's just about it. That's uh, where you can find me, if you want to, which, I mean, you know, it's your time, but... <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. This podcast is a part of the Benview Network. You can find this and other podcasts like it at BenviewNetwork.com. <laughs>